Hey, Greg, how's it going today? Good, how are you? Good, thank you. Greg, I'm excited to talk to you today. Thanks so much for putting some time aside. I think you and the company that you're with, Sentient and, and Foray, are in a really interesting position. And I think, you know, from the companies that I've worked with and the companies I've seen, your organization in terms of values, culture, strategy, like you guys are kind of a, a gold standard that we look up to. And so I think this will be a super interesting conversation because of kind of the market effects of everything that's happening right now. So before we start, I thought maybe you could just do a quick intro of who you are, your background, you know, what Sentient is and, and the market that you guys uh, help. And then, uh, yeah, we can kind of go from there. That sounds great, Michelle. So like you had mentioned, my name is Greg Dixon. I am Director of Business Development for Sentient HR Services. And Sentient has been around for just over 16 years. I oversee the organization as a whole, and we're a part of a larger umbrella organization called the Foray Group. And what's interesting is that the Foray Group really just aligns and creates and, and develops businesses in the the care industry space, really kind of the vulnerable markets. And currently our focus is, is on childcare. And so uh, Sentient being a part of 4A provides childcare supply staff to hundreds of daycares and private schools all across the greater Toronto area. And as an agency, we recruit and we train and we onboard and then we connect childcare workers to, to jobs in the market. And there's a real need for registered early childhood educators and assistants in daycares across the city and really kind of worldwide globally. When your child's teacher is away for any reason, whether it's due to not feeling well that day or something longer term like a mat leave, instead of spending time recruiting yourself as a director or a supervisor, people will call Sentient HR to, to find that perfect fit for a temporary solution. And then, of course, we offer permanent hiring too. So cool. you need somebody permanently. We have that option too. And so uh, it's a really exciting time to be in childcare and in the staffing industry and really to try and find excellent jobs for people who who deserve work and who want to work in a field that they're passionate about. And what better field to be passionate about than childcare? Yeah, totally. Definitely a, a rewarding uh, industry for sure. And so Sentient is a part of kind of the larger umbrella foray, which also invests and owns businesses all focused in the childcare industry, right? That's correct. We have nine daycare centers called the Centers for Early Learning. We have two private schools, the Montessori Country School in Nobleton and Milton. And then we also have Wholesome Kids Catering, which is a child catering company. And they provide meals to uh, children in childcare across the GTA as well. So all very kind of driven toward enriching lives and enriching the lives of of children through our businesses. And then you said that your role is business development, but you're kind of running the strategy side of it as well, right? Like you're kind of looking at the business as a whole and also looking at how you're going to address the market in the future, like from what I know working with you. But it sounds like, yeah, your role is a little bit more like kind of like a CEO strategy side as well as business development, right? 
That's right, yes. My title is business development, but I oversee the entire organization of Sentient. And so I'm responsible for operations, strategy, execution, and then obviously culture, which is incredibly important at a time like this where we may not have operations running. We don't have operations running as as we knew it before COVID-19 um, impacted the entire globe. And so what we rely on and what I'm really pulling on is some of the culture foundation that I built along with my team um, allow us that tenant to hold on to the tether to ensure that we're all staying true to our purpose during this time. And it really brings a level of confidence in the business when everyone around us who we work with realize that and know that we are a values-driven organization and can be counted on over and above the typical operations of providing childcare supply staff to centers with our clients, with our staff, within the foreign organization because of the culture work we've done to lay a strong foundation, which I didn't realize, but until now really aids us in getting through this crisis. Yeah. So yeah, the culture work that you guys have done with the organization is amazing. And actually from my perspective, going into your organization and learning more about you guys and working together and tackling some big challenges that you're working on, I kind of saw it as the first time I experienced working with you guys and the way you approach culture, it was kind of like this realization of, yeah, all these organizations talk about culture and a lot of it is kind of theoretical. And what I thought was impressive was that, you know, your organization builds actual strategies and culture is actually driven as part of an overarching strategy and purpose of the organization. And it's reinforced and there's very specific actions that you take in order to reinforce that and help drive the business forward. And that is just an observation. I'm sure you have way more insight into that than, than I would. But that was something that was really mind-blowing for me to see an organization where like, oh yeah, okay, culture actually does drive business strategy and performance. And this is how you actually do it versus, you know, we have an amazing culture and therefore we can hire the best employees or something like that. Exactly. So I, I'm interested to hear from you, like what a values-driven organization is. Like, what does that actually mean to you in, in the context that you're in? And then I have a, some other questions about, you know, what's happening for your organization now, and then how do you actually continue driving that that culture? Mm -hmm. So your your observations are very correct or accurate. We we believe that culture is a differentiating factor. So it sets us apart. It makes us, it builds. It, it isn't just words on a page and it isn't self-touting as we are, we are a strong culture. We live our culture and it, it is a differentiating factor. It drives revenue, it drives strategy, it, it drives our hiring process to ensure that we have A players on the team that align with that that culture because once you have the alignment of team to culture, really that alignment also starts to be seen through kind of strategy and their roles as part of driving the strategy forward and how they bring new ideas to the table. And then you're not worried about how one of your team members are interacting with a client or, um, or each other. 
because the strategy is is really they see themselves as part of the strategy and that that how they show up at work is is a part of uh part of our is living our values yeah and so values values to me is is really who you are as a person and and whether who you are character trait wise and how you live your life align with the very concrete values of of the company that you work with and so what has to happen is a lot of work needs to get done on um, what are the values of the organization how do you make it align easy to digest for for your clients and your staff so that everyone knows what your values are and can understand them mm-hmm. and that they feel tied to them because once you have that clearly defined value and it can be fun and it should be memorable and it should be brief those values are yeah. uh, part of your charter um, but it has to be understood and then and then you can really put into place uh, a plan of action throughout the course of the year just like you would develop strategy and execution that help to reinforce the the values of your organization to your stakeholders, all of them, not just your staff, but your clients have to know about them, your investors should know about them, so that you are making it top of mind and and kind of rehashing it on a consistent basis. That makes sense, yeah. So how have things changed for your organization over the last couple of weeks? So we supply staff to, to child care centers and and so we have no child care centers to supply staff to. Right. So we have, uh, we have no one, uh, no no customers who are open right now because every child care center in private school, public school. Kind of on demand, right? It's like, I need staff, so I will work with Sentient in order to staff my organization. And so you're kind of turning this wheel of on-demand purchasing that's happening. And if there's no demand, there's no long-term contracts or anything like that. So you're kind of like at the whim of the market, really, right? That's right. Yes, and people use us to help us help them with ratios. So when it's, we're in a highly regulated field where you have to maintain a certain ratio based on age group, and so when a staff is away, you have to still meet that ratio, and um, and so we and you have to meet it with okay. the right qualification. So we become very we are very important to yeah. our clients, and we have. Uh, well over 400 that use us annually, 400 unique. We have about 370 staff right now on the team. Remember that they're employees, not contractors. Yeah, wow. And so they they actually receive an ROE. So how has the business changed? Well, um, because we don't have clients to serve right now, what we have done is really become kind of a trusted partner to our staff and clients. Like I said, it's part of our culture. So we have provided over over 370 records of employment. We have put out communications to our team as to how to apply for EI. We have supported them in because a lot of our staff are are new to the country or or new, never been laid off before. Mm-hmm. So we've really step by step guided them through the process. With our clients, we've uh, provided them with ideas to share with their own parent group so that they can keep their children engaged. We've Mm -hmm. almost given them content to be able to share with their communities and kept them abreast as to what's going on in the industry. And then 
We've also uh, really taken this time to recruit permanent position openings that we have been retained for. So we're Zoom interviewing for permanent directors, supervisors, boards that have asked us to find a replacement because their leader is leaving. And we've been receiving tremendous candidates because Indeed and all of the job sites are very busy. We've also started a new online platform. So we're doing training. So we're starting an online training program. So we're, we've engaged with Teachable, and it's a, a learning management uh, platform, a learning systems platform. And we've created our first course called How Does Learning Happen? A Refresher. And we're putting it out for free to our staff and our clients so that childcare workers across Ontario will still be engaged with professional development and, and can progress through a refresher. If they're not in the classroom practicing, this is a great way to remember best practices. And we've got an online dialogue, which is great. So just introducing Connected, it's called Connect ED, and it's our educational uh, division of Sentient that we're opening up to just allow people the time during these long days to connect with each other online, but also share best practices and learn more about something that they do every single day. Yeah, that's amazing. <clears throat> so so you have been impacted greatly to the business, obviously. And it sounds like you guys are doing some pivoting and trying to offer some additional services, but also just value during this time when people are, are struggling with all sorts of challenges. I mean, especially... I can imagine like parents with young ones being home, it must be such a challenge to, you know, adjust to the work from home life, but then also be managing kids that at that age that need entertainment. And you're also, you also have to worry about education and like what kind of content can you deliver for, for kids and stuff like that. What's kind of like your short and long-term strategies to, I mean, obviously the, the stuff we just talked about is more of a short-term and partly long-term, I guess, as well. But it's very early stages. But what have you kind of learned going through this experience? And what do you see as the outcome for your organization and the industry? And how do you see the industry changing potentially? Mm -hmm. So I think that for us, something that has been really beneficial, we have daily huddles as a team. And so we, we huddle daily about when we use kind of scaling up the Rockefeller Habits amazing book and and we use scaling up as an organization so we have daily huddles and we talk about strategy and we talk about how how we're going to get through this together and then we have a a COVID-19 huddle at the end of each day to share news as to anything anyone in the organization has heard related to COVID-19 so that we are always aware of the news and and are talking about how we're going to deal with leverage, utilize, strategize about whatever news is coming out. So that's been beneficial. I think that one big important kind of short-term strategy for us that helps to develop long-term strategy is communication. Kind of having uh, a 15-minute huddle, 10 to 15-minute huddle with your team and and talking about what's gone right, what's gone well, what are your stuff areas, what is your one priority for the day? Mm-hmm. What what would be kind of, you can only do one thing, get one thing accomplished, what would that be? And then to be honest and authentic and vulnerable about your your worries. So what are you worried about? Kind of what are, 
what are you stuck with? And it doesn't mean that you're not good at your job or not a good leader or not successful in your industry, but it helps others to see yourself, see you as vulnerable, but also to bring their ideas to the table. So part of my strategy is really connecting with, with intelligent kind of team aligned, uh, values aligned individuals in my organization. The second I would say is, it was for sentient is to take this time to provide value opportunities to your clients and staff. Stay connected. They're at home. Everyone is feeling a little isolated or a lot isolated. And whatever you can do to provide them with content that they can use or reuse to better connect with their clients mm-hmm. will be deeply beneficial. Mm-hmm. So for for me, it's very much building uh, a stronger trust so that once we're past COVID-19 and the epidemic or the pandemic, we will be front of mind. And yeah. so now is the time to, to put money into the bucket, to really fill their bucket, fill the buckets of your client. There's a children's story called fill, filling your bucket. Mm-hmm. And because in the end, your, the results will be they'll remember your support and don't overwhelm them, but kind of give them enough good content, curated content, original content, if at all possible, that they can use to benefit their business yeah. or themselves. Yeah, I read um, I read a study, which I'll attach to this once it lives out in the ecosystem, but I read a study yesterday, I forget who it was from, but it was on the 2008 uh, recession, and they found that companies that invested in marketing during the recession had a growth of, I think it was coming out of the recession, like 200% versus companies that didn't invest in marketing that averaged around a 19% growth coming out of the recession. So anyways, I just thought it was an interesting study and uh, some interesting numbers, but it speaks totally to what you're you're talking about, right? And, and we had, we had a, we had a, a happy hour with Zoom, like on a Zoom conference call yesterday with my team. And, and we talked about Netflix and we talked about just bringing joy. And I'm going to host one every, every week. Um, I'm going to host a webinar on questions that our childcare centers have about anything related to COVID or not that I will host next week that, that will help them to stay connected. I think what's what's key is absolutely marketing. But then thirdly, I would say is people. Take care of your people. Make sure that they feel like they've got not just an employer, but or not just a, a vendor, but somebody who really cares about them. So yeah. who knows who will show up again. You can only avail an opportunity to connect with people, but you would be surprised who who does connect. And I've noticed even myself personally as a leader, I, I enjoy webinars, but I've attended more webinars over the last week than than ever. They're triggering something in our brain to say, you know what, I'm going to take that time. I want to connect with people yeah. and I also want to learn. And yeah. so if we're doing it as leaders, we we should also expect our, our customers and our staff to want the same. Yeah. So speaking of webinars and uh, kind of like the digital infrastructure and all that and work from home, all these things that are happening right now and all these experiments that companies are doing, what do you think is going to be the new normal for your industry once we all kind of come out of this and are all back at work? 
I think um, there's just so many interesting things happening right now. Like, you know, the fitness industry is fascinating to me. It's like, I don't know why these physical gyms haven't also been supplementing with virtual classes for additional revenue, lower price point or something like that. And just like fill up as many classes because you don't need the physical footprint necessarily. So, you know, that's just an, an example off the top of my mind that I've been like wondering because now it seems like every fitness based business is doing online versions of their classes. But um, there's so many fascinating things happening. And I'm curious what you think, how do you think this is going to change our industry? Yes, I think that we're going to be less scared, less tepid about going online and working from home. Um, I feel as a traditional business, a fairly traditional mindset with innovative business strategy, but traditional in how we we show up to work. We have beautiful offices um, in Markham and we enjoy functioning in that space, collaborating, utilizing the entire space as a meeting room. It's it's just outstanding and they are gorgeous. But I also feel as if the fear of working from home, of your employees becoming uh, working in a mediocre manner, not dedicating fully to the work at hand when they're at home. I feel like that generalization will and is dissipating completely. And that's really powerful, especially if you've got a values-based business where you you trust the people that you have employed by you. But at the same time, uh, work from home has always been a, there's it's not necessary. Will they get where we'll get the best work out of our employees if they work from home with the disruptions that might be? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that generalization has really been shattered. In, in this COVID-19 crisis that we, we're in. And I think that's really refreshing because technology has, has been there and shown that it functions well. I do feel we should have been more prepared for this though. And yeah. we've always yeah. had the technology and we really haven't leveraged it. And it's too bad that a crisis like this has, has been the, the precipice of all of us jumping on where this could have been a much better way of going earlier on and has deep connections to just the environment and our consumerism and our habits. I think that gas, an example of gas, we have reduced kind of our, our environmental footprint by being at home. And so I strongly feel like we're not all going to work from home 24 hours a day. That's not where this is going. But I feel like we can be much more open to leveraging technology and and improving technology so that we feel even better connected from wherever we are. Yeah, totally. And even just like reevaluating what a fixed expense of an office is, you know, like some of these buildings are, they cost a fortune. It's not flexible. You're locking in sometimes for five years. It's like, okay, well, you know, what if it's 30% less and it's viewed more as a collaborative space instead of a, an office where I have to be at the specific desk um, versus more of a space that you go for collaborating, meeting with clients, connect to the cloud through any computer. Like, I, I, I think there's a lot of discussions going on around, you know, the cost of real estate and how much you're spending to have a physical footprint when this is kind of proving that it's not really that necessary in all cases. 
I also think that, you, you know, you're right. We've had the technology and we've had the ability to work remotely for so long, but I think it's been a, a, a cultural shift. We're forced into a cultural shift. You know, I think the average, the average organization, large organization is probably has been very conservative in the past about work from home. Some companies are not allowing it at all uh, for a variety of reasons, but it definitely has been interesting to see this huge shift in setting everyone up for work from home. And I think, you know, we're in week three or now or something. And I think there's still organizations out there that are struggling to get that infrastructure set up because it's never been done before. And yeah. to turn that around with a huge workforce in such a short period of time must be like an unbelievable challenge because it's not just, it's not just the tactical stuff of like, you know, what does my network look like? How am I connecting? Do people have laptops? How are they connecting in? Is everything secure? It's not just all the tactical stuff, but also like, how are you bridging your culture over to a remote workforce? You know, how do you manage deliverables? How do you manage people remotely? What do you measure? Like all of these things that for sure, I would, I would assume most companies haven't gone to that level of depth. It's probably very, you know, how do I set up a, a, a remote structure physically? I think that Sendian's done a great job because look, we had, we had meetings about this before we, we went remote. We had okay. presentations around what does remote learning look, what does remote working look like? What are our cadences during the day? What are our typical working hours where you, you have to be able to be reached? What stays in the office? What doesn't stay in the office? So privacy rules and regulations, and then setting up online platforms so that you are able to, to connect with each other at any time. So we've started a Facebook group for our 400, 370 supply staff, and, and they feel connected that way. And then we've yeah. got daily drop-in Zoom calls that people can come into at any time. That's and great. we use Microsoft Teams because we're on the Azure platform. And mm -hmm. um, so we're really, uh, we set cadences, we set up plans for KPIs, reporting KPIs, uh, we use Metronome to report our, our KPIs. So we've just got systems in place that allow everyone to be aware of the status of projects. That's amazing. So that's an, exactly why I wanted to talk to you because you you guys, it doesn't surprise me that you've already been putting strategy and plans in place before you were forced to actually make that switch over. I'm curious what kind of KPIs you would be measuring and reporting on. Yeah, it's great. So right now it's, it's more challenging. So because we, we, our KPIs are normally number of filled hours and, and number of right. fill rate percentage, right? And so when your business has a 30% or more reduction in revenue, I think it's important to reevaluate your, your KPIs. And so your KPIs change in that you move to a much more project-based environment mm -hmm. where it's a time to catch up and move projects along, connect with people that you may not have been able to get in contact with, but may have more time. And so our KPIs are really around kind of health, wellness, and, and networking. And so kind of it could be anything from number of glasses of water you drink a day to <laughs> how much sleep you're getting, right? That's great. 
And so some of those wellness that help connect people together to how many people, how many new new individuals who you should be talking to to grow your business are you connecting with? And so just the the intention of reaching out to people who who might be more willing to to respond or reply and and sharing an opportunity just to chat about where where your business is at that time and where their business is yeah. and to determine if there are any collaborations available. Yeah. So I think that there's never been a better time to cold call than now yeah. and and reach out and make an intention, just write down a list every morning or the night before of who you want to, to reach out to that next day and and have an intentional conversation with them have a goal in mind of what you want to accomplish with that conversation yeah. and then and then go for it because i think that this is a a great time to sell and but in an authentic way in a connection yeah. way how are you doing yeah is there an opportunity for us to work together when this is all over totally and, and is there a way that, that we can really truly collaborate to, to build both of our businesses for a win-win situation. Yeah. Um, and then another great opportunity is research. So how many hours researching and 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 kind of spending time on growth. And then lastly, spending time with people. Just yeah. how are you? So I, I call between 10 to 20 supply staff every night just to check up on them. Now I've That's got great. 370 of them, but I reach out to them and just say, hey, how are you? Is there anything I can do to help? So yeah. take care of your people too. And then take care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Can't forget that. That's great advice. That's really, really good advice. It's good to hear that, you know, even though there's a bit of pain right now and there's a lot of changes to the industry that you guys are primarily focused on, that, you know, you sense a level of calmness and a level of strategic foresight when I have this discussion with you and I'm sure a lot of people will feel that too. And I think it's good to have these discussions because, you know, as scary as the unknown is and, and everything that's going on right now, I think, like you said, there's, a, there's an opportunity here to do some real deep thinking for yourself, your organization, but also, you know, the people that you're connected to through your business, your clients, your staff, and just kind of collectively start thinking about, you know, how does this change things, not just for your organization, but your clients, the world, society, and, you know, what are we planning for when this all dissipates and, uh, you know, we're all out and shopping again. <laughs> Remember, and we're, we're building systems that we can monetize in the future, right? So the learning platform we can monetize in the future and our front in mind, we're going to continue that so our clients order from us first. And, and then looking at new geographic regions. So when this is over, where can we go uh, across Canada um, and even into the U.S.? And what do those markets look like? And to yeah. do diligence as to number of centers and contacts and such. So really working on that expansion piece too. Yeah, amazing. Well, uh, thank you so much for setting aside some time to chat. This was inspiring for me as well. And I, I took a lot away from it as well. It's always good to catch up and hear what you, know, you guys are working on during these crazy times. But yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for the time. Great. Thanks, Greg.